directly following the service. We're glad for everybody that's here at church today and uh, all of our guests. Thank you for being with us. We have some guests all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Brother and Sister Gross, God bless you. Glad to have you with us. And everyone else that's come to be with us today, we're glad to have you in church with us. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9 says, And Nehemiah, which is the Tirashatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat. And I've been doing that all summer, so I'm obeying the scripture. And drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments today on the joy perspective. The joy perspective. Let's pray together right now and ask for God to speak to us. Jesus. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the transformation, Lord God, that it brings into lives. And I pray today in this place, Lord God, that your glory would fill the house, uh, that you would speak to needs, Lord God, and that our hearts would be transformed by the ministry of the word today. Anoint the words that are going to be spoken. Anoint the ears of the hearers, Lord Jesus, and let us respond to it and receive what you have for us today. And let your will be done in this place this week, we pray in Jesus' name. And if you agree, everybody said amen. And clap your hands before you're seated and give praise to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. This verse of scripture that we read in your hearing in Nehemiah, let me give you a little background from this verse. Nehemiah is written following 70 years where the children of Israel had been dispossessed from the promised land. They had been living in Babylon for 70 years, and many of the young people that had grown up in Babylon had never been to church. They had never heard the word preached. They had just heard about it. But where we read here in Nehemiah is when the children of Israel were able to go back into the promised land after 70 years and reestablish the temple and build again the walls of Jerusalem. It was an exciting time because what had been taken from them was now being restored. And in this passage in verse 8 was when they gathered together to hear the law of God read and explained for the first time in many, many years. There were a lot of people there that had never heard the law before and didn't know what God expected. And so when the law was being read by Ezra, there were other leaders, including Nehemiah, that would explain to the people what the law meant. The Bible lets us know that as the people were listening respectfully to the law of God, they begin to realize certain things that they hadn't been doing and certain changes that were going to be in their life as a result of the law of God. And the Bible says that the people began to weep. They began to be sorrowful when they heard the law of God, many of them for the very first time. And God says, wait a minute. I don't want mourning and weeping 
to be associated with the Word of God, with the place of worship, and with reverence to Jehovah. They're listening to the Word. They're hearing the Word. They're getting ready to apply the Word to their lives. But I have a problem with their perspective. So God says, this is a special day. A day where the law is being read. And God told the leaders to let the people know it's not a time to mourn. And it's not a time to be depressed. And it's not a time to weep. But he said, instead, what I want you to do is I want you to begin to have a celebration. Amen. Begin to have a party. And then in verse 11, it says to even make mirth. That means to laugh, to tell jokes, to rejoice. What I want you to do is bake a big cake. I want you to get food and drinks. And I want there to be laughter. I want there to be rejoicing. I want there to be celebration. Amen. I want you to simulate positive emotions even though there is an authentic mourning that's going on. I want you to know that God was saying, I would rather have you simulate joy than naturally display despair. I would rather you have hypocritical laughter than authentic mourning. Because if you learn to express joy, If you learn to laugh and smile, even when you don't feel like laughing and smiling, you're going to invite joy into your life. And this is important because he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today why joy is so important for you in order for you to live victoriously for God. How many want to live victoriously in the kingdom of God? Amen. I got about 70%. Is there anybody else that wants to live victoriously in the kingdom of God? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That means if we don't have the joy of the Lord, in some sense we have been weakened. Our ability to live successfully for God has been compromised if we lose the joy of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 3 says, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation. I remember one time in the scripture when Jesus met the woman at the well. And uh, Jesus was there and asked to drink of water for her, and she gave it to him. And while she was drawing the water, Jesus said, If you knew who it was that was asking you for water, you would ask water of me, and I could give you living water. She looked at him and said, Well, sir, there's a problem. I notice uh, that you have nothing to draw from the well with. That means it doesn't matter how good the water is in the well. If you have nothing to draw with, how are you going to get the waters out of the well? And I want to tell you that if you don't have any joy, you can't tap in to the sources that are in your salvation. Amen. I see joy as a bucket that you use to get water 
out of the wells of salvation. And if you forfeit your joy, and if you lose your joy, you have nothing to draw with. And it doesn't matter how good the water is. It doesn't matter how resourceful it is. It doesn't matter how satisfying it is. If it's still down in the well, you can't get it. And so I'm telling you today that joy is important because when you get joy, you get what it takes to tap into the power that God has to refresh and renew and restore you. I want to tell you that joy and happiness is a choice. Sometimes we believe it's just an emotion, but I want to remind you that today that joy and happiness is a choice. You've got to arrange your mind every day to choose happiness. You get to choose that. You get to choose your attitude. Did you know that? That's why my mom used to tell me, change your attitude. Amen? Anybody have a mom like that? You better change your attitude. Why would she tell me that if I couldn't? Ha- if I had no control over my attitude? The reality is you have control over your attitude. You have control over the way you perceive the world. You have control over the way that you face situations and circumstances in your life. And I want to tell you that you are as happy today as you have decided to be. Let me say that again. You are as happy today as you have decided to be. I don't know how this happens, but if you notice kids, kids are like naturally happy, right? They're always laughing. They're always screaming. They're always playing. They're having a good time. And then I look at us as adults. We're mature now. We're serious. We're dealing with real issues. But we've lost something along the way. And some of us have allowed the heaviness of life, uh, situations, circumstances that we're dealing with to steal from us uh, that joy. And there's something about that joy that keeps you healthy. It keeps you on fire for God. It keeps you in line with God's purposes. It keeps you tapped into the resources of heaven. And when you lose contact with that joy, amen, when you lose contact with that joy, you lose the power to tap in to the resources of heaven. So today I'm going to challenge you to wipe that frown off of your face. It doesn't really matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter how they treated you. It doesn't matter how people what people have said to you. You can choose to be happy anyway. You can choose to be full of joy anyway. I'm going to tell you right now that you can lose your job and still have joy. That you can lose your house and still have joy. You can go through sickness and still have joy. You can get a report from the doctor that says you're going to die and still have joy. It's your choice. You get to choose. Amen. Somewhere you got to get this point. How you face life and how you feel about life is about 10% what happens to you. And 90% how you respond to what happens to you. And you see people who if you look at their lives, they've got a lot to be thankful for. But all they can focus on is what makes them unhappy. And they go around unhappy all the time. This is bad because it affects you negatively in your relationships. It affects you negatively at work. But more importantly than that, if you lose the joy, you have nothing to access the resources of heaven. And I'm challenging someone here today to hear this preacher and get your joy back. 
here's a good way to start. Here's a good way to start. There's a, a something that we used to sing about when we were kids. Smile a while. Remember that one? And give your face a rest. No, you don't remember that. I do. It's a smile. Now, here I w- we're going to practice right now because some of you, I know it's been a while since you've really cracked a big smile. You've got serious things you're dealing with. Your life is really got a lot of things to, to, to be very serious about. But what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and try, and I promise you your face won't crack unless you've had a lot of plastic surgery. You'll be all right. Can you smile right now? Somebody smile. Come on, practice. Smile, smile, smile. Doesn't that feel better? Well, I can tell you from my perspective that a lot of you look better. Maxwell saying when he was a young boy, he went and looked in the mirror, and he looked at the mirror, and he said, you are not a very good-looking man, and he smiled, he said, that's better, and he's been smiling ever since, amen, and I wonder if we could just get back the idea that we're the people of God, we're supposed to be happier than anybody on the planet, and when we walk around dour and depressed and discouraged on our countenance, what kind of message is that sending to a world that needs Jesus, amen? We've got to get the joy of the Lord back in our spirit again, amen, so that we can be a greater witness and so that God's blessings and favor can come into our life. Praise God. Many of us, as we've aged, we've let the challenges of life push us down and sadden our spirits. But you get to choose every single day how you're going to face that day. Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5, a lot of you have heard this verse before. It says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. That's, that's a scripture verse. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. I'm just going to take it for what it says. Every morning, God sends joy to your house. And it knocks on the door of your heart. I'm here today. Are you going to open up the door to the joy of the Lord in the morning? It's your choice. You get to decide how you're going to face each day. And I get to decide how I'm going to face each day. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that can say, I'm ready to make a decision each and every day that I'm going to face this day with the joy of the Lord. And a lot of times we focus, well, I, I know I would be happier. I know I'd be happy if God would bring that right person into my life. Or, or I, know, I know I could be happy if I got a different job. Or if, if we, if we uh, got this house of our dreams, then perhaps uh, then we would be happy. But I want to tell you today that you already have everything that you need to be happy. The only thing that you lack is the right perspective. And that's what I'm here to preach to you about today is the joy perspective. You're living in the doldrums. Some of you are living there because you like the attention it brings you. But I wonder if there's anybody that would like to live the abundant life that the Word of God promises. Amen. You've got to change your perspective and realize that I already have more than 90% of the world does in terms of material things. I've been blessed beyond measure. I wish I had a bigger house. Change your perspective. What you're living is is better than living under a bridge. Amen. Well, 
I hate all this traffic. It's terrible. Well, you could be walking uh, instead of driving in your car. Why can't you thank God for what the Lord has blessed you with and what the Lord has given you? Well, I wish I had a different spouse. Let God take that person out of your life and let loneliness cloud your life and you'll thank God for what he has given you. You've got a lot to be thankful for. You want to change your perspective? I heard about a man that lost, had uh, uh, something, he was losing his sight and they thought it was cancer of the eye. And so he uh, was obviously just a young man and uh, he, he went to the doctor to have this uh, procedure done and when he was going under, he knew that he may have be seeing the very last thing that he would ever see as he went under uh, the, the power of the drugs and uh, was preparing for surgery. But when they got in there, they discovered that it wasn't cancer behind his eye, but it was some kind of a fungus that was blocking uh, the vision of his eye. They were able to m remove it, clean it, and then when he came to again, he realized that he could still see, and he wasn't going to lose his sight, uh, and he became so overjoyed. Uh, you know what? He had his sight all along, but it was the threat of losing the blessing that God gave him every morning that he took for granted that caused him to realize, I've got something to be thankful for. Most of you in here today can see my face. You ought to be thankful, amen, rather than having God uh, come along and take something from you so that you can realize that God has blessed you. If you've got your health, you've got all you need to be joyful. If you've got resources, if you've got things, it's time to let the joy of the Lord be your strength. You need to change your perspective. Get a joy perspective. Amen. Happiness is based on perspective. There's a story many of you have heard before about uh, one man was out laying bricks in Europe, laying bricks. There was another man helping over here, and someone came by and asked the guy, what are you doing? He said, well... Laying bricks. Wiped his sweat. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. I'm laying bricks. Person walked up to the next guy down, down a little bit that was working, helping. Said, what are you doing? He said, I am building the most beautiful cathedral in Europe. Hmm. They're both doing the same thing, but they got a little bit different perspective about what they're involved with. I want to encourage you, those that are serving the kingdom of God, when, when you're here putting up the pipe and drape or putting up the screen, and you wonder, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm helping here because I'm, I'm on the schedule, and if I don't show up, somebody else is going to have to do it. Why can't you get a bigger picture of what's happening? What are you doing? I'm winning souls. I'm building the kingdom of God. I'm making a place for the presence of God and the glory of God to move. I'm greeting people. You're not greeting people. That's a part of what's on the surface. But what you're doing is you're winning souls. I'm playing my instrument. I'm leading praise and worship. What are you doing? You're a part of a bigger thing, creating and building disciples and building the kingdom of God. It's based on your perspective. Amen. When you're a part of something that God is doing that is great. Praise God. So we create much of our own unhappiness. Did you know that? 
We point at all the things that are happening, but our unhappiness is not based on what happens. It's based on how we respond to it. We create unhappiness by focusing on what's wrong rather than focusing on what's right. Some of you have a factory that manufactures unhappiness. And every morning you crank up the factory and you dwell on what's wrong and you manufacture unhappiness. Some of you need to shut the factory down and come on now and realize that there's a lot of good to focus on. There are a lot of blessings that God has put into your life. Uh, His blessings are new every morning. And learn, I'm going to face life with joy because what happens is you begin to see that blessings will start to come your way. Amen. And good things will begin to come into your life. Uh, When you walk around full of despair and depressed and discouraged all the time, you invite more depression and discouragement into your life. When you're angry and short-tempered, what do you do? You invite other people's anger and short-temperedness into your life life, but when you walk around with the joy of the Lord, you introduce joy into other people's lives, and you welcome it to come back to you. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let me tell you, I learned when I was teaching English that there are four types of sentences. Anybody remember the four types of sentences? There is a declarative sentence, right? That just makes a statement. There is an interrogative sentence. What does it do? Ask a question. There's an exclamatory question or uh, exclamatory sentence that expresses strong emotion. But this one is not one of those three. It's number four. And the type of sentence that this one is, is an imperative. What does that mean? It is a command. It is an instruction. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I believe that if we would, like, like if, if that was the only verse in the Bible that we learned how to obey, it would transform our lives immediately. Rejoice in the Lord always because it's almost impossible to hold on to negative emotions while you are rejoicing in the Lord. When you rejoice in the Lord, you can't hold on to those negative feelings and those negative emotions anymore. You're forced to release them. And the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord as long as I'm being treated right. And it doesn't say rejoice in the Lord as long as things are going my way. But the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, we as human beings, we have a tendency to smile when the sun's shining and get depressed when the clouds come, right? Maybe not in the literal sense, but when the clouds come, it's like, oh, despair, it's going to rain. Negative things are coming. Amen. I know we live in SoCal. We don't see much clouds. But I'm talking in a figurative sense here. When the sun's shining, we feel great. When the clouds come, We let it affect our mood and our attitude, and we become discouraged and depressed. That's a tendency we have as human beings. But I want to remind you that clouds are temporary, and the sun is permanent. While the clouds are there, the sun is still shining. It's just behind the clouds. 
And if you wait long enough, even if you live in Seattle, where they have lots of clouds, eventually the clouds are going to move out of the way and the sun is going to shine again. Rather than let your emotions be controlled by things that float in and out of your life, realize that the sun is always there, that Jesus is always on the throne and things that do come into my life come into my life to either make me better or help me impact someone else's life. And I'm going to trust God and I'm going to live through it and I'm going to keep a smile on my diet. I'm going to keep a song in my heart. I'm going to let laughter reign in my spirit because I choose to do that. Amen. I choose to be happy. I'm going to have to preach some unbelief out of this place right now because there's some of you that have allowed your life to be controlled by circumstances and you've allowed your life to be controlled by people in your life. You've given them your joy. But I want to tell you, somebody needs to stand up and say, you can't have my joy. You can't control whether I'm going to be happy or not. This is something that I received from the Lord and this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. man that cuts me off in traffic. He didn't give me my joy. I'm not going to let him take it away. Amen. My boss didn't give me my joy. I'm not going to let my boss take it away from me. Amen. Come on, someone. You didn't give it to me and you can't take it away. Some of you need to become selfish with your joy. You let other people take it too easily. I believe in sharing joy, but I don't believe in letting people take my joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And with joy, I draw waters from the wells of salvation. Some of you are struggling spiritually, principally, because you let circumstances and people steal your joy. And you just live for God out of routine and obligation. I'm telling you, that's why you're struggling. You need to get your joy back. You need to realize that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Now, I understand it's human nature to turn negative during difficult times, but when you lose your joy, you lose your strength, and you need more strength during difficult times. When you're going through a financial crisis, when you break up with someone you love, when you're dealing with trying to raise a rebellious child, you can't afford to be negative and bitter and discouraged. Someone said one time, if you complain, you'll remain. You'll stay right where you are if you keep griping. I want to encourage somebody not to submit to negative emotions, but to encourage yourself in the Lord. God's been good to me. I'm breathing without a machine today. God's been good to me. I got some food in the cupboard. God's been good to me. I got a pillow to lay my head on. God has been good to me. What I said earlier is scriptural. John chapter 16 and verse 22. The Bible says, let no man take your joy from you. And that man on the phone may have been rude to you, but you don't even know him. Is it worth giving him your joy? The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. This is a choice 
that you have to make. The things that are upsetting you right now don't have to upset you. You are letting them upset you. This is not pie in the sky preaching. I'm telling you the truth right now. God's trying to get hit you in line with his blessings. And in order for you to get in line with his blessings, you've got to get a joy perspective. When you allow what someone says or does to you to upset you, you are allowing that person to control you. When I allow someone to make me mad, I am giving away the power to them. When I allow someone else to affect my emotions, I am giving the power to them. Amen. Now, people may say negative things about you. People may say things that hurt you. And every person has a right to an opinion, but you have every right to ignore that opinion. Amen. And not let that opinion shape who you are and how you feel. In Luke chapter 10, verse 5, it says, Into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. When you speak to peace, when you speak peace to people, that peace will return to you if they reject it. And I want to encourage you not to let people who are poisoned on the inside rub off on you. Don't argue with a critic. You get down to their level. And don't let circumstances and don't let people steal your joy. Decide, I'm not giving away my power anymore. They made me mad. What you're saying is, is they get to decide whether I'm going to have joy or not. They upset me. Anybody ever had this happen before? We can all be honest here. Somebody makes us mad, a complete stranger. Maybe it's in a parking lot. Maybe it's on the phone. Maybe it's uh, at a stoplight, whatever it is. Maybe it includes one of the fingers on our hand. Somebody makes you furious. A comment, whatever. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll begin to think about that for a long time. I'll respond to them in some way. And then about five minutes later, I'll think of a way better response I could have given. Do I got a witness in the house? Amen. And then it affects my day. And then I feel this negativity in my spirit, and I've forgotten the encounter, but it's still lingering in my spirit. You know what I've done? I've let a complete stranger steal my joy. That's why we've got to learn to let things go. And I'm preaching to myself here right now as well. I can't afford to let what some other, can I say idiot? What some other idiot does to steal from me my joy. I want to learn to just smile and keep going. Like today, I was sitting at the stoplight looking at my phone. And as I was looking at my phone, somebody behind me honked their horn, started honking their horn. And I looked up and the light was green. And you're saying, oh, you're that guy. Okay. <laughs> and so I just thought, I'm sorry, just waved and just drove on. We've got to learn to just wave things off. Just let them go. 
I remember one of the funniest encounters I had in road rage was we were driving down in Newport Beach a few years ago and uh, accidentally we cut someone off in traffic and they started honking their horn and they come up beside me with all the expressions of their frustration and fury at me. And so I rolled down the window and I said, I'm so sorry. And it was the funniest thing. He was like, <laughs> he had all this stuff ready to pour out of him, and we just disarmed him right there. I wish all my stories were like that. I could tell a few more of them. But I want to learn to be a spiritually mature person. A spiritually mature person is a person who decides I'm not going to let what someone else says or does to me control how I feel and how I face the rest of my day. I'm not going to let them take and steal my joy. And when I go through a tough time, when someone hurts my feelings, when someone betrays me, rather than letting it affect the how I feel about myself and my general sense of how I feel for days then after that or hours or sleepless nights. I am determined not to let a circumstance or a situation or a person or something that I'm going through to steal my joy. I still have joy in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the way that I've been treated. I'm going to keep the joy on the inside. Amen. Praise God. Don't wait for the blessings you've been asking for to come before you enjoy your life and find happiness. Some of you need to find out what it is that is stealing your joy. For some of you, there's something that continuously is stealing your joy. Something is stealing your joy. You need to find out what it is and determine, I'm not going to let that steal. Rudeness in exchange for rudeness only spoils your day and my day. Praise God. So when someone comes in and you're fighting for a parking spot, can you just say, I'll give you the parking spot, but I'm not going to give you my joy. <laughs> Let me remind you that in this joy perspective, it's not something that just is on the inside. It's something that is meant to be expressed. Hebrews 1 and 9 says, God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. What does that mean? That means you ought to be happier than other people because you're anointed. You ought to have more happiness than the people around you because God has given it to you. You and I are supposed to be happier than the average person. The Bible often refers to our countenance. That means our face. We ought to have happiness in our countenance. Amen. Praise God. Brighten up and put a smile on your face and be cheerful. You receive back whatever it is that you project. That means when you smile, try this, try this sometime. When you smile, you'll notice that people smile back at you. And then I, I went into a, a, a store uh, recently, a retail establishment, and the people were like overwhelmingly kind and friendly and accommodating. And, I, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, obviously their boss, the manager, has just giving them some instruction, some detailed instruction on how to interact with customers. But I'm going to tell you what it did to me. 
even though I knew in the back of my mind this is what's prompting this. It made me happier, and it made me treat them more cheerfully. Amen. And everything worked together in a positive way because what you project is what you're going to get back and what you're going to receive. Amen. So it is important to learn to project and to express joy. Praise God. Amen. I think it's important that when you are, you realize that when you're sour, grumpy, and unfriendly, it's coming back to you. But when you are joyful, it's coming back to you. When you smile, you are saying that God is in control, everything is all right, and it's going to be a good day. See, I'm going to smile even though the lights are going on and off here. Can you smile when things don't go your way? Can you smile when your plans for the day don't unfold like you planned for them to? Because some of you need to realize that you got a plan for your day, but God may have a completely different plan for your day. And when your plans start getting messed up, you get angry. And you enter into God's plan with the wrong attitude. Some of us need to learn how to smile when things go our way and smile when they don't go our way. Amen. Because we tap into the power of God and the resources that God has for us uh, through the joy of the Lord. Amen. But not just smiling, but also laughter. Laughter is very, very important. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 and 22 that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Laughter and smiling makes us feel better and releases healing through our system. Amen. Am I right, Dr. Charlie? Something about laughter deals with the negative emotions, and the negative emotions release toxins into the body. If you're uptight and you're on edge all the time, it's going to produce headaches, digestive problems, and a lack of energy. Did you know that a little child laughs 200 times a day? Average. 200 times a day a child laughs. Now, but we adults, we average 14 to 17 times of laughter per day. That may be our problem. We're not taking our medicine. (laughs) Laughter is like a medicine. Every time you laugh, it reduces the stress hormone in your body. Negative emotions like stress and worry and fear and anxiety and depression, all of these negative emotions, you know what they do? This is what doctors tell us, that they weaken our body's natural killer cells. What are natural killer cells? Natural killer cells are things that you have in your body that are always looking for things that aren't supposed to be in your body. And when they start to act, the killer cells destroy these cells in your body that aren't supposed to be there. They said that most people have cancerous type of cells that flare up in their body at different times in their life. But what happens is these natural born killer cells jump on and destroy them before they even get started. But negative emotions 
limit and begin to diminish the amount uh, and the power and the vitality of those natural killer cells. So that's what some of you need to smile. That's why some of you need to laugh. That's why some of you need to quit allowing circumstances to make you so dour. It's affecting your health. These emotions are affecting your health. And if some of you could learn to let the joy of the Lord be your strength and let the joy come into your life and learn to laugh again and learn to smile again. Hallelujah. Amen. And if there's, if you can't find anything to laugh about, I've found that one of the greatest muses for laughter is myself. I got a question. Can you laugh at yourself? Can you laugh at yourself? Or when something happens, do you get defensive? Can you laugh at yourself? I think this is one of the greatest skills that a person has, is that when they make a mistake or when somebody teases them, that they can laugh rather than become defensive. Amen. If you, if, if you look at yourself for a while, there's a lot of material to laugh about there. And the same is true with me. Learn to laugh. Learn to smile. Learn to enjoy your kids. Amen. Kids do funny things, but some of us are so stressed out, we don't have time to laugh at them. Amen? Do I got anybody else that has some funny kids in their life that's going to do some crazy stuff? And it can either make you mad or it can make you laugh your head off. Same is true in your relationship with your spouse. Circumstances, disagreements, situations that you're dealing with can make you angry and spiteful, or you can learn to laugh even at it. Can you do that? If you could do that, I guarantee you that would bring a lot more peace into your marriage. Can I get an amen? Am I preaching the truth right now? So joy is meant to be expressed. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Let me tell you here some of the meanings of joy. Joy comes from the Hebrew word gil. Some of you remember this. I taught this a long time ago. And the word gil actually means to leap or spin around with pleasure, joy, to leap or spin around with pleasure. Uh, other nouns that are translated joy, mesos and saison, which means to leap, to exalt, to rejoice, to shout. And the word gil means to go in a circle, to be excited, to be joyful. Luke chapter... 6 and verse 22 says, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23, Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. The Bible says to leap. For joy. Leap for joy. And I always thought that meant leap for joy in the sense, I'm so happy I'm going to leap. I'm so excited I'm going to leap like a little kid. Anybody know what I'm talking about when it's finally day the day that you're going to Disneyland? Uh-huh. It's Disneyland Day, and the kids know it. You shouldn't have told them, but they know it. And that night before, they won't go to sleep. You know what I'm talking about. And the next morning, 
they're jumping around the house, literally bouncing, not figuratively, literally bouncing off the walls. Anybody got kids like my kids? You know what I'm talking about. They are so excited. That is joy. They are rejoicing. The Bible says to leap for joy. Let, let me explain that to you in a different way. What if I told you to reach for candy? That would mean if I want candy, I reach for it, not reach because I have candy. That means to reach for it. And the Bible says to leap for joy. I don't believe that means leap because you're happy. I mean that mean I believe that means begin to do this and you will receive happiness when you begin to rejoice, when you begin to express with your body, with your face, with your expressions the joy it will begin to come to you. It's hard to smile for a long time and stay depressed. Come on now. Even if it's a fake smile, even if it's a hypocritical smile, even if you don't feel the smile. I believe God would rather you smile a fake smile than, than produce or express genuine and authentic discouragement. Somebody, amen, let the joy of the Lord begin to flow out of you. Let the joy of the Lord begin to flow out of your spirit and begin to express the joy of the Lord. The Bible once again, the writer says in Isaiah 61 and 3, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You cannot bless the Lord at all times and stay defeated. You cannot let praise be continually in your mouth and stay defeated. You may say, but preacher, I don't feel like praising God today. That's why the Bible says bring the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes it takes effort and sometimes it doesn't come naturally. And at those times you have to bring the sacrifice of praise. Do you think that Paul and Silas felt like singing songs in a dungeon at midnight sitting in a pool of their own blood? but they sang praises to the Lord at midnight. This is what's called a sacrifice of praise. And I'm challenging some of you here today that are dealing with some real stuff, that are dealing with some real heaviness, to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, to bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Oh, glory. The word Judah is a very significant word in Scripture. It means to give thanks, praise, or celebrate to Jehovah. Thanks, praise, celebrate to Jehovah. And of course, we know that Jesus was the lion from the tribe of Judah. That means his father through the lineage was Judah, the fourth son of Israel. Judah means praise. And at one point, the Bible says, send forth Judah first into the battle. And when this tribe goes first with instruments, singing, and praise, God's going to bring victory. And I want to challenge some of you in your battles, in your struggles, to learn to celebrate 
and praise and bless the Lord at all times. This is Bible right here, my brothers and sisters, but it requires discipline to say, I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to get filled with despair. I'm not going to get negative. I'm not going to let anxiety drift into my spirit. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to let His praise be continually in my mouth. Let me remind you where the name Judah comes from. Judah was a child of Leah. Leah was the sister that was not beloved. Rachel was beloved. Leah was not. So Leah's husband loved her sister. That's a bad situation, right? And we know the emotional needs that a woman has, the emotional needs that a man has, the emotional needs of a woman. This woman's emotional needs were not being met because the one that she loved was in love with someone else. But God opened her womb. She began to have children. She named the children based on the emotions that she was going through at that time. The first child was named Reuben. Reuben means to see. She named him Reuben. You can read it in your own Bible. I'm going to name him Reuben because maybe God hath seen that I was hated and brought this child so I would be loved. She had another child. The next child she named Simeon, which means to hear. She said, maybe God hath heard that I was hated, and he brought this child so that my husband would love me. The, the deal was the babies were coming, and the situation wasn't getting any better. The third child came, and what did she name the third child? The third child she named Levi, which means to cling. And she named him this, and this is what the Bible says. She said, I'm going to name him Levi because maybe God has brought this child so my husband would cling to me emotionally but it still didn't change the situation. Amen. Jacob was in love with Rachel, and Leah was out in the cold. But God opened her womb a fourth time, and this time she said, I'm going to name him Judah, which means to celebrate and give praise to God. Not because the situation's gotten any better. Not because he finally loves me, but because I realize that I've got a lot to be thankful for. And in the midst of the bad situation, she said, I'm going to have a party. In the midst of the despair, she said, I'm going to celebrate. I'm not going to let what's happening here steal my joy. I'm going to celebrate. And I wonder if there's somebody in this place that can celebrate and give thanks and praise to the Lord right now in spite of what you're going through. In spite of what you're facing, in spite of the situation, I'm going to praise the Lord. And finally, finally, there's a, a verse of scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 6, great story about King David when he was king. The Ark of the Covenant was in this place called Kadesh Barnea. David lived in the capital city of Jerusalem. Blessings were in Kadesh Barnea because the Ark of the Covenant represented the throne where God enthroned himself with his Shekinah glory. David said, you know what? I think it would be smart, <clears throat> and I think God would be happy, and I sure would be happy, if we could bring the Ark of God's presence from, I'm sorry, not Kadesh Barnea, but Obed-Edom, from Obed-Edom, and we could bring it right here into Jerusalem. So he sent the command to do so. At first they went out and they put it on a wagon and they began to carry the Ark of the Covenant from Kadesh Barnea into Jerusalem on a wagon. 
And uh, the Bible says that as they went over a threshing floor, a rough spot, that the wagon began to move back and forth and the ark was top heavy and it began to teeter on the, on the uh, wagon. And there was uh, one of the servants named Uzzah who was with them. And Uzzah reached forth his hand to steady the ark. And when he touched the ark, he found out that the ark was not Uzzah friendly and it killed him. So David went back and counseled with the people and said, well, let's counsel with the uh, scholars of Scripture. And they discovered whenever the Ark of the Covenant is moved, it has to be moved by priests. And the priests have to bear it between them on a staff. So there had to be four priests, and they had to have these staffs that went through the corners and the hoops of the Ark, and they would carry it borne on the shoulders of the priest. So David, if you're going to get the glory of God into Jerusalem, it's not going to work for you to bring it in on a wagon. You're going to have to bring it in on the shoulders of the priest. And the Bible says, so David got the priest there, and he himself as king went down there to see the progress of the moving of the glory of God from Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. And the Bible says this is how they did it they would offer sacrifices to the Lord. And then after they offered a sacrifice, David would begin to dance before the Lord with all of his might and celebrate and rejoice about the presence of God. And then the ark would move six spaces while David was worshiping and praising God and the trumpets were blasting. And then they would stop again. And David would celebrate. Now the Bible says that when David came into the city there with the Ark of the Covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 6, as the Ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, which was David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. She was saying, you're acting like a kid. You're not acting like a king. Why are you conducting yourself that way? And when word got back to David that Michael despised his praise and worship and expressive love to God, in verse 21, David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. You think it's silly for me to dance. You think it's funny for me to leap. You got a problem with me spinning out here in the presence of the Lord. You think it looks silly, but I promise you that if you think I've been silly before, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm going to play in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to leap and I'm going to rejoice. My name is David. I'm from the tribe of Judah. God selected me above your father, the Benjaminite. And I'm from the tribe of Judah. And I'm going to praise and worship and celebrate in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And there needs to be something that gets in our spirit that says, when I come to church, I've come to celebrate. I've come to rejoice. One of the biggest lies the devil ever told was that living in this world is fun and living for God is boring. 
That's a lie. Let me tell you another lie that we tell sometimes, that living in the world is no fun. There's no fun out there. All you have to do is go by a club and watch these people that don't even know how to dance out there doing their thing. Got a little alcohol in their system. They don't care what anybody thinks. And they look crazy, but they look like they're having fun. They may have a bad day in the morning. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But the lie is that you can have fun in the world, but when you come into the house of God, you need to be serious. This is serious business. Amen. I believe in being reverent and respectful, but I also believe that the house of the Lord is a place for us to express the joy of the Lord. And some of you may watch and look on as people begin to express their love for God by leaping and dancing and shouting in the presence of the Lord. And you may say, what's wrong with these people? And you may think, these people have lost their mind. But I want to tell you that this is the spirit of David that says God is good. Amen. God has blessed me. God has provided for me. Amen. And His power is moving. His presence is moving. And I will bless the Lord at all time. Some of you need a praise break. Amen. Some of you need to let the spirit of heaviness be taken off of you and be replaced. Amen. With the joy of the Lord. The garment of praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody put your hands together and praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody praise him and lift him up right now. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody happy here today? Anybody happy here today? Come on, anybody feel the joy of the Lord? Anybody feel the joy of the Lord? The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if you're missing your joy, you're going to have a hard time living for God. But that's why I'm here. I'm here to give it back to you. But you've got to make up in your mind, I'm getting my joy back. I'm getting my joy back. Some of you need to leap for joy. Some of you need to shake off the cobwebs from your smiler. Somebody need to shake the cobwebs off your shouter. It's been too long since you shouted. It's been too long since you released all of the pressure and all the stress and just praised the Lord with reckless abandon like King David did. Amen. And say, I've come to praise him. I've come to lift him up. I've come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We could have our musicians come. I want to stop. Uh, end this sermon with a little play right now. Anybody like dramas? You like plays? Okay, so we're going to illustrate what happened that day so that you can kind of get a visual of what happened. When David was worshiping the Lord and when the Ark of the Covenant was moving from Obed-Edom into Jerusalem. So I need four priests. I need four Levites. Can I commission four of you young men right there to carry the Ark for me? Stand up, four. We'll take the four tallest right now for this. All right, come on up here, gentlemen. Now I'm going to give them instructions in just a second. You can just come stand here right there in front of that speaker. 
and uh, I here here's the tough one. I need someone that's willing to play King David in this drama, and that means you're willing to praise the Lord with all your might, to jump and to spin, and to rejoice in the presence of the Lord. So I I need somebody to play this part because. I'll play this part if I have to, but I'm 41 years old now, and I've been eating lots of fried food the last few weeks in the South, so I I wonder if there's somebody here that would not be ashamed to play. Brother Leonard, can you come help me, brother? I believe Brother Leonard will help me right now, because he's just a young fella. we're going to do a play, but at the same time, you're going to be showing your kids what it is to let loose and let God have his way in your life. So here's the story. Sister uh, 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 Shauna, can you come up with a kind of a trumpet sound there? You got a trumpet sound on the uh, keyboard there? So here's the deal, guys. You guys are priests, so I want you, two of you, to line up right here. Come aside here in the back a little bit. and then, there you go, you guys know what you're doing, don't you? You must have done that before, a long time ago. All right, Josh, have you done this before? Never done this before. Okay, let me give you some instructions here. Levites, this is the first time you've ever carried the ark. So I want you to imagine that here is a staff right here. Right on your shoulder. I want you to hold the staff. Can you do that real quick? And right here is the ark of the covenant. Within it is the covenant of the Lord. And overshadowing it is the Shekinah presence of God. And they're bringing the presence of God into the household of David. Hallelujah. Here's David. So so the the Bible says that what they would do is they would stop and they would offer a sacrifice to the Lord. A bullock, a lamb. The priesthood would create a sacrifice there. And then when the sacrifice was done, they would clean it up. And then what they would do is the Bible says that there was a sound of trumpets that began to play at that point. And when the trumpets began to play, so we're going to all do this all together so that the people can see this. When the trumpets began to play, the Bible says David began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. And the ark began to move six spaces. So do you have any kind of a sound? It doesn't have to be perfect, just anything that you got there. Tell me what you got. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Let's see what else we got. Let's try just like a keyboard sound. How about that? That'll work. See, you can tell this is all improv. All right, that's the best trumpet sound we got. That, that'll work. So David's standing aside. He took off his robe as a king. See, David was the king of Israel. That's like the president of the United States. That's like the one that everybody looks up to, everybody respects. He's dignified. He's powerful. Amen. 
Sister Anna said, amen. That's the way it is in your house anyway, right? And when the sacrifice was finished, what we're going to do is when he begins to dance before the Lord, I want you guys to move six steps this direction because here we are in Obed-Edom and here's David's household, all right? Okay? So the sacrifice is being sacrificed. The sacrifice is done. And all of a sudden the sound of the trumpet begins to play. Here goes the sound of the trumpet. And David began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. for another sacrifice and then they would do the same thing again but what I want you to catch is this is that when David began to dance and leap and shout before the Lord was when the glory of God began to move closer and closer to his household and one thing that I've learned in pastoring a church uh, for 10 years uh, is that when God's people forget about who they are and forget about what people think and forget about who's looking and begin to just express their love to the Lord and begin to shout and rejoice in the presence of the Lord that the Spirit of God begins to move. Miracles begin to happen. People begin to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Things begin to change in your situation. If you want to remain, then complain. But if you want to get up out of where you are, I wonder if there's somebody that can rejoice in the Lord for a few minutes with us right now before we leave. So stand your feet. We're going to praise the Lord together here before we leave. We're going to rejoice in the Lord together. But here, here's an important part. As we do this, this is biblical. The Bible says, leap for joy. Somebody said something bad about you, leap for joy. Somebody didn't include you in their group, leap for joy. Somebody made fun of you, leap for joy. So we're going to loosen up here. And uh, as, as we begin to sing this song, I want you to just, if you don't feel like dancing, at least leap for joy. And uh, in order for this to work, probably you're going to have to get out of your row. You see what I'm saying? Because if you get in your row, you're kind of closed in like a horse in, horse in a stall or something like that. A horse can't run up in his stall. He's got to get out of there and do what it was made to do. So just for a moment, we're going to rejoice in the Lord together. And, and this is not just an act of frothing things up. This is not just an act of emotionalism. But we're going to release the Spirit of God in this place. And we're going to release the joy of the Lord into people's lives. Now, I remember when I first, when I first danced before the Lord, I, I came from maybe a sort of more of a, a, a church that's real kind of stayed and structured or whatever when I was younger. And so uh, it was unusual to dance in the presence of the Lord in that setting. Uh, but I felt like doing it. And somebody was preaching about it. And I felt like rejoicing in the Lord. And I, I knew that I wanted to 
really just let loose and not worry what anybody thought about it. And so I remember just not knowing what to do. So I just got out there and I lifted up my hands and I jumped one time. And I don't know if you look, but I'm not the most coordinated person. I kind of look like I'm tottering around like a toddler. But I just leaped before the Lord and I lifted up my hands and I was praising God. And I just began to leap before the Lord. <laughs> and it felt a little bit unnatural at first. But while I was praising God, things began to happen. See, some people have this mistaken notion that I will worship the Lord in the dance when the Holy Spirit moves me to worship in the dance. Because I don't want to be guilty of dancing in the flesh. But guess what? The flesh is pretty much all you got to dance in. You're going to let your spirit jump out of your body and go dance around, that's fine. But worship and praise is active when we rejoice in the Lord. And this is going to be therapeutic for somebody in this place. That you're just going to begin to focus on the goodness of Jesus, okay? This is not just about moving around or calisthenics. This is about focusing on the goodness of Jesus and rejoicing in the Lord. Because you believe God has your back. You believe God's going to send blessings your way. And just like the little kid who can't wait to get to Disneyland. When do we leave, Mama? When do we leave? When do we leave? When do we leave? there's some miracles that's going to happen in this place there's some deliverance that's going to happen some things are going to be broken off of you that you've been praying for God to release from you but with the joy of the Lord something's going to happen in this place so here, here's how we'll do it we're going to do this one more time what we just did this play here and in just a moment brother Leonard is going to lead us and when they begin to play and they begin to sing that represents the sounds of the trumpets. And instead of it just being David, why don't we all just begin to praise the Lord? Just step out. If you're not comfortable shouting and dancing before the Lord, that's fine. Nobody's going to force you to do that. But just get out. Wave your hands. Move your feet around. Do something. And begin to express your love to Jesus. Begin to let the joy come. It's okay if you laugh. It's okay if you smile. In fact, it'd be great if you would smile. And begin to praise and worship God. And while you praise and worship God, let something begin to bubble out of you. It's the Spirit of the Lord. And it's the joy of the Lord. All right. So priests, you got the glory of God. You've got it on your shoulders, bearing it. The sacrifice is being offered unto the Lord. As they're offering the sacrifice, David is waiting for the signal. And finally, the signal comes as the trumpet begins to play. Amen. Hallelujah. And David begins to dance before the Lord with all of his might. And the glory of the Lord begins to move.
Hallelujah. I wonder if there's some people in here that can worship in faith. You may be going through a tough time right now. You may wonder where the answer's coming from right now. But I believe by faith in Jesus' name that during the next three months that there are going to be certifiable miracles that happen at Life Church. During 40 days of healing, there are going to be people that are healed of cancer. I believe there are going to be people who cannot see that will be able to see. Amen. I believe there will be people that can't have children that will begin to have babies. Amen. Come on, someone. I believe in Jesus' name that there will be people that will be delivered from habits of sin, set free from the enemy, that people will be started on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to rejoice with, with together with me right now. This is Sister Ruth. You guys know Ruth and Nima. I don't know if you noticed or not, but she is expecting a child. And I think they both remember that this is an answer to prayer. And we're just going to celebrate together right now. Because a few months ago it looked impossible. A few months ago... We said, God, can you give it to them what they're asking for? And God's answered the prayer. Can somebody celebrate with them right now? Can we rejoice with them that rejoice right now? Let us rejoice and thank God together for what he's doing in their life. Because you'll open the door to blessing in your life.
Before we leave, I want you to raise your hands. Everybody raise up your hands right now and just begin to let that love for Jesus pour out of you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, I love you, and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for the miracles that are going to take place. I thank you for the promises, Lord God, that are being fulfilled. I thank you, Jesus, right now, Lord, that I feel your presence. I feel your touch. I feel your anointing. I feel your power. I feel your blessing. Hallelujah. You're real. You're real. You're real. You're powerful. You're making a difference. Come on, that's it. Just let it go. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Hallelujah. If he has done anything great in your life, if he has done something supernatural in your life, it's time to get that joy back and recall what the Lord has done for you. Hallelujah. I want to tell you a little something. That sister right here, Sister Lucy, I want to tell you something cool about today in this situation. She recently just had some dental work done and basically had every excuse to stay home today. Can't move her mouth that well, her face. She walked into our morning staff meeting and, and she had a frown, but she had no choice. It was just, it was all there. But she decided to come to the house of the Lord anyhow. And while this worship service was going on and while this altar time was going on, the loudest voice I can hear came from the lady, amen, hallelujah, that had every excuse to call it quits on this Sunday, every excuse to stay home. But she said, I'm not going to let pain, I'm not going to let how I feel rob me of my joy. And some of us don't have pain right now. Some of us don't have anything stopping us. But what would happen if we let the joy of the Holy Ghost just erupt in this place? Hallelujah. Someone from the depths of their heart begin to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy that you've given me. God, you've given me a joy. God, that is unmeasurable. God, I can't put it against anything in this world. But the joy of the Holy Ghost is upon me. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And that's why I can sing that song. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about how he set me free. I get joy when I think about how he brought me out. There's joy in the Lord, joy in his peace, joy in the word that he gives us, joy in the Holy Ghost. Would someone just open up their heart, their lives, and let joy right now resonate in that? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, come on. You want to know what heaven's going to look like? You want to know what heaven's going to look like? Just look around right here. But there's not going to be limit. It's going to be a 24-hour party, hallelujah, as we lift up the name of Jesus. So if this kind of wears you out, if you look at this and say, that's a little too crazy, let me give you a new perspective. Because if you want to make heaven your home, you better learn what it's like to put some joy in your step, some joy in your life, hallelujah. just feels so good to be in his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen. Lean over to Brother Caleb right now. I said, it's just so good. He said, I know. God, when he gives you a joy, hallelujah. Doesn't matter how you feel, what it looks like in front of you. But you can say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Who has a week in front of you that before today you were uncertain about? Could you be honest? Could you lift up your hands? Raise your hand if you, if you have something going on this week that you're uncertain about. Something that, that you were questioning about and, and you're like, I don't know how it's going to happen. But let me give you a little secret, amen. Why don't you start your week off with joy, as Pastor said it, amen? You start off the week in battle, hallelujah, with joy and praise, and you watch or God orchestrate, amen, the miracles in your life. So as we dismiss, amen, this prayer, hallelujah, we're not going to dismiss from his presence, but from this place, hallelujah, could you begin to let joy be the foundation and the premise of your prayer? Jesus, we thank you for your word that gives us light, your word that gives us strength, and God, I thank you for the joy that I thought I had lost. I thank you for the joy that I thought was taken away. I thank you for the joy that you have given back to me right now, and I pray right now that as I look at my week ahead, the hours ahead, the days ahead, the months ahead, I'm going to start right now and be joyful right now for your promises are sure and amen. And I know I'm standing with a bunch of witnesses that you've never left us, you haven't forsaken us, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus, we are gonna come to the conclusion that we must have joy in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Someone shouting to God with a voice of triumph. Someone shouting to God with a voice of victory. Someone have joy in their lives. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. find someone and you share that joy that God has given you. God bless you, Life Church. Has this been a great Sunday in the Lord? Hallelujah. We love you. We'll see you at camp meeting on Thursday. And if you are here for the first time or you are a guest with us, please get to know Pastor in the Pastor's Reception. God bless you and let's have a joyful week.